White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 689. You're listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. the fabulous White Rocket Studios in Southern Illinois and Eastern Virginia. It's the AU Wishbone Podcast, John. We are back. I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. John, it is a good time, a good time to be an Auburn fan. It may not be a time of raking in trophies and championships quite yet, but it's a time that you can see our program's moving maybe in that direction and you know in terms of the basketball program where they've been quite often recently and in terms of football program moving back in that direction how do you feel about the direction of Auburn's major sports programs at the present time positive momentum Mm. that's how I feel yes and that's a good thing and it's a rare thing sometimes it's been a while been a while. It has been a mo- it has been a moment since I felt that way about both programs at the same moment. Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, when was the last time that both programs were were competing at a really high level? I mean, you'd have to go back to uh, I guess the 2019 season was pretty good for both teams. Obviously, it was great yes. for basketball, and it was it was somewhat. You know, 19 was a football season that was good in retrospect, but we wanted more. You know, I. I compare 2019 to like 1997, where you look back at the record and go, yeah, that's a good record. And then you think, but it could have been more. You know what I mean? It's it's not one of those years where you exceed expectations like, you know, 93 with the 11-0 and 0 or something, or 2013. It's one of those years where you go, yeah, that was good, but I felt like it could have been more. You know, so yeah, it has been a while since we've been able to say that. And that's good. And I feel like we definitely have momentum. Um, And I mean, the transfer portal continues to be the gift that keeps on giving. And it's fun because the trans it's not like a one day thing, like signing days, like this day on the calendar. And you just kind of wake up and know, okay, we're going to get some guys that day. The transfer portal is like, you you know a couple of times recently I was doing other stuff and some and I was that I was talking to somebody and they were like hey did you see the other guy we picked up and I was like what are you talking about I've been in a meeting for four hours <laughs> <laughs> classic classic signing day is like classic Christmas morning you wake up and you look to see if your parents got into the Sears catalog the the the, the wish book or if they just ran down to the Kmart. And grabbed a couple of barrels of monkeys. Maybe, maybe you're looking to see if you were good this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, but the portal is like, I guess it's like Hanukkah, where you get a different gift every day. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I don't know. 
just came to me. But uh, but yeah, it does just seem to keep giving and giving. And I mean, uh, we've had several new. By the way, I made a note here, and that's probably what this episode's going to be—the kind of the theme of this episode—is that uh, everybody hates Auburn, and that's because uh, you know we already knew that that uh, Brett Bielema, now at Illinois, didn't like us going back to his little running feud with Gus. Um, and now he hates us again because we swiped his center, who was on the way to Illinois when he turned around yeah. and got their off ramp and drove back down to Auburn. And um, and now Ole Miss can't stand us because I think I think reality is beginning to set in with Ole Miss. Think about what they've done, John. Here's why reality is setting in for Ole Miss. Ole Miss has woken up in a cold sweat to realize we made them spend their money on something they already had while we spent less money on a better product and have money left over, more or less, depending on how you look at where the money comes from, for other things. So we have apparently the more successful coach, at least at the moment. We have the far better facilities now. We have... um, you know all these things. The, 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 their offensive line coach, their pl- some of their players, and, uh, including their linebacker now, and and they have um, a guy that hadn't won a game since Auburn first started talking to him about coaching at Auburn. And they had, you know, Kiffin was had made a name as a guy who makes stuff happen in the transfer portal. Yeah, gets guys in the transfer portal that yeah. can make a difference. And right now Auburn among SEC schools, is killing it in the transfer board. I want you to imagine what Auburn fans would be saying right now if Kiffin was our coach and doing at Auburn what he's doing at Ole Miss. Can you imagine the backlash? I can't imagine the backlash, but I'm going to be honest. I think there are a lot of other coaches that will be doing better, that will be doing maybe not this well, but will be doing well at Auburn. Yeah. Because some of it is relative to mm-hmm. the previous <laughs> – Dormant staff. Potatoes. Yes. Um, and, and anybody, it's one of those like, man, you're really moving. No, the other guy was just dead and it didn't move. So I'm not really running that fast, but I'm just moving forward. So, uh, so wait a minute. So it's like in The Crow. Ole Miss looks at us and says, but you're dead. And we say, and I say, I'm dead. No, you know, I got it bad. I, I got it. Oh, I messed it up. I messed it up. Let me try it again. Are you spoiling this movie for people? This movie that came out in 1993? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> Where he's, the cop says, move and you're dead. And the crow says, and I say I'm dead and I move. What a great line that is. And that's kind of Auburn right now to a lot of the SEC. They thought we were dead. And I say, well, we're dead, but we're moving. And we're moving on up, to quote the Jeffersons. We're moving on up. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to be happy about right now. And and Ole Miss, you're paying about almost $10 million a year for a coach that we're glad we don't have. Just let that sink in and just just soak in that. Marinate in that for a little while, Ole Miss, because I'm appreciating it. And you're absolutely correct. The biggest thing over the last week was just Bert whining about not getting this guy. Like, you're the coach at Illinois. And bigger schools are going to take your recruits, if, you know, if they're interested in them, and the guys will want to go there. Yeah, Illinois is this program that hasn't won squat until this past season and forever, and they did okay. I mean, they're I, I 
you know, I've said before, I'd, I'd zip up the highway a couple of hours and watch him play if there were, if, the, if it was a product worth watching, but I'm not going to go up there and I'm not going to drive two or three hours up to Champaign-Urbana to sit there and watch them get steamrolled by Northwestern. I mean, that's just, you know, that's not exciting. So, um, but uh, oh, what if we, it was Burke getting steamrolled? Yeah, but I'd have to cheer for Illinois. I, oh, geez, okay. it's hard. Okay. Um, it is funny though, um, that, uh, yeah, that old Miss. We're Ole Miss is paying now for more than they wanted to for a coach that we don't want, and I just find that endlessly amusing. I oh, I know what I was going to say, and that reminded me. Wikipedia says that Auburn Ole Miss is a rivalry series and has a page just on the Auburn Ole Miss series. I'm like, we've played each other like four times before the SEC championship game existed. It's not a rivalry. We have a much more of a rivalry with Mississippi State than we ever have with Ole Miss. We don't have, old, we don't have a rivalry with Ole Miss, do we? Am I crazy? I, well, again, I think there was a rivalry when we took Tuberville. Yeah, well. And I think the, you know, talking to Kiffin and hiring Freeze is going to bring some life back into it. So it's going to be a little spicy, I think. Yeah, they're a marketplace for us. They're not a rival. They're, they're like a... They're like Bargain Town for us. They're not. Oh, are we back to Bargain Town again? Hey. <laughs> I gotta find the audio for that because that was a classic commercial my whole childhood. Uh, people talking all over town say, "If you like bargains, you love Bargain Town, USA." Uh, so the player we got from Illinois, basically, I was say, speaking of bargains, was yeah from East Carolina originally, and and tell us who that was. That was Avery Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, a center who's played, you know, four years at East Carolina, started a ton of games, and was a very, you know, highly sought transfer. A lot of teams wanted that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't a lot of experienced centers around, and we talked before the, you know, the the transfer portal season ever opened. That it's tough to get good, experienced, um, talented offensive linemen in the portal, and Auburn has done it and done it again with Avery Jones. It's a gigantic upgrade for us. Yeah, I mean he's going to be our starting center, isn't he? A hundred percent, yes. Yeah, man, that's so. I mean, you know, it's funny how when this whole cycle started, we were like, God, what are we going to do for offensive linemen? I mean, this is just terrible. I don't know how we're even going to feel a team. And now we're like, you know, it would be good to have some depth on the left, <laughs> on the left guard, if we could get like one more guy in there just to have some depth. It's incredible. It's amazing. It so. is an amazing turn, and I, it's kind of unprecedented in terms of the offensive line recruiting in the portal era. It's a real difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to think that 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 Freeze has so many ways that he's able to appeal to these guys. He can say you're going to get playing time. He can say, look at this new facility we've got. He's going to say, you're in the SEC West. You get to play Alabama, LSU. You're going to be on CBS half the season and get to play in all these big games, right? Um, you know, you got the NIL. I mean, there's just so many things. Auburn, I mean, it's hard to think of us as a sleeping giant, but for the last couple of years, we've been a sleeping giant who's, we, I mean, we honestly sleepwalked our way to six wins last year and five wins this year. And now we're awake, it seems like. And, man, we know from past history that when Auburn is awake and hitting on all cylinders, we are a formidable program. Yes. We're every bit capable of winning the SEC and being the best team in the conference on, 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 on the day. You know, not all the time, but on the day. And, um, and again, because of the last couple of seasons and the, the end of the Gus area, the, the talent level isn't where we need it to be to do that. 
Right. But it is heading in that direction. And it is clearly, you know, the uh, the intake valve on the talent has dramatically changed in terms of what we're bringing. <laughs> That's for sure. Um all right, so we picked up another old Miss. Uh, some, another in, in addition to the offensive line coach, we got Austin Keys, the linebacker. So, I, my understanding, a bigger guy, kind of a run stopper, something we kind of needed in this. While we've got yeah. you know these smaller guys, uh, more of a classic middle linebacker guy, a mm-hmm. big, strong guy. You know, I think he weighs two thirty or something. A guy that could stand in the middle and play the middle classic middle linebacker role in the defense and hold up to the run in this conference, which we've had we haven't had recently. We've had smaller, faster linebackers. And some of them could make plays and stuff, but it's been a while since we had that guy who was a you know a classic kind of middle linebacker thumper type that could that could stand in there and do it. So he's big. He makes a big difference and he feels a need. And then we have guys that could fit in the other spots, more the outside spots whether it's on the weak side or the strong side but he's a he's a different kind of guy and i think he has a couple years of eligibility left too like a lot of these transfers they brought in they're not one year one time guys yeah that's good in the in the post uh kevin Steele era it has felt like if you could get a running back past our defensive line they could do some damage downfield before we could finally run them down there's been times Georgia treated our defense like tissue paper with their running game, in particular. Yes. So yeah. this. No, we, you got to have both kinds. You're going to play some teams that want to spread you out and use fast guys, and you're going to need some smaller, quicker linebackers. But you're also going to play the Georgias of the world, who are going to put you in a phone booth and and hmm. send some guys right at you. And you got to have linebackers that can stand in there and, and go toe to toe with them. Yeah. Um, so we got uh, Justin Rogers from Kentucky, defensive lineman. Again, the highest-rated recruit ever signed by Kentucky football just <laughs> oh, transferred to Auburn. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's oh that's, yes. That's in the twenty. <laughs> again, he's a big-time defensive tackle, a guy that's played a bunch of SEC football. I think he had. I think oh, he had man. six tackles against Georgia last year, and he was a top 75 player in the country when he came out of high school in 2020. So he's a guy who, you know, has enormous potential. And he never really reached it at Kentucky. But I'm just going to say, like, this guy has all the talent in the world for a defensive lineman. Mm. So he's looking at this staff and this, you know, the, the defensive line coach that Freeze brought from Liberty and said, this guy can maybe unlock me and I can have these other good players around me and have a big time year and, you know, improve my stock to go to the NFL. That's, this, that was big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, I think that would be a good indication. When, when the upstarts in the SEC start getting big for their britches, you know that somebody that's an established power is hurting usually because there's only so many players to go around. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see many years where Kentucky and Ole Miss and Mississippi State are all winning double-digit games unless LSU or Alabama or Auburn or Florida is down. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it, they don't all happen at the same time. That's right. So we need Kentucky and Ole Miss to get back in their place <laughs> And and send their good players to us, and that's what we're doing, and that's that's good, right? We're getting Ole Miss players, we're getting Kentucky players, good ones. That helps us, and it and it hurts them. And I approve. Um, we need Vance Georgia or, approval. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know why a, a good player would go from Kentucky or Ole Miss to Auburn? It's because Scott Wilson. 
that's it. That's why. Can't rebuke that. Um, so, and then you had a note about the offensive line, just in general. Just that, again, we talked about this last week that the you know the number of recruits is more than we've signed in the offensive line, like in a four or five year period or whatever. Right. But it's the talent that we brought in on the in the transfer portal on the offensive line, the two tackles, and now Avery Jones um, to go with the junior college guy and the four high school guys is amazing. It's honestly, um, I'm not sure any other teams have done this kind of talent hall in the offensive line and the transfer portal. It's really, really a big difference maker. We've seen a couple schools, you know, over the last few years have big years with the transfer portal. Florida State had a big year last year, and then they went out and had their best season in a long time. And a lot of the guys, this is the other thing I wanted to say is, in the past in the transfer portal, we've gotten kind of fillers I've talked about, like depth guys you know, a third safety or a fourth running back or a fourth receiver or something. And now we're getting guys who are starters and impact players. Yeah, these guys on the offensive line are going to start to be impact players. That linebacker from LSU, this Rodgers from Kentucky, these guys are going to play and they're going to make a difference. Um, hmm. I just realized that I believe Jared is off on assignment, so we will not have a guest the game this week. I was just frantically looking around to, to see if I had it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, well, obviously, we, we've talked before about how one thing that really impressed us about, um, about Freeze at the, at the opening press conference even was he said, you know, in this conference, it starts up front on both sides of the line, and that's where we're going to build. You know, it's all well and good to have. He didn't put it exactly this way, but he's, he basically said it's all well and good to have a good quarterback, good running backs, good receivers. But if your quarterback is on his back every, you know, right after the snap every play, if you're, and if your running back is experiencing what Tank was experiencing much of last season, certainly before Cadillac took over, then it doesn't do you any good to have those good players because they're not going to have a chance to do anything. So, um, it, yeah, I'm glad that he realizes that and is building on that. That's something I'm not sure that Gus understood, and I'm not sure it's anything that the guy in between Gus and Freeze understood. So um, that's, all, right. that's all very good. Now, what about the quarterback situation? We, it feels like we've kind of gone through several no-goes. Where does it yeah. stand now? I don't know if there's anybody in the portal that we're dying to have right this second at the quarterback yeah. position. But you don't and have now, to have them right now, though, right? I mean, that's can't right. you be patient? So yeah. the portal stays open until Thursday at some point, right? The 19th, I think. And then you have to be in the portal to transfer. But once you're in the portal, you can sign with somebody anytime after that, basically, right? But nobody else can enter the portal after Thursday until there's like a one week period at the end, uh, kind of at the beginning of May with the idea that that's at the end of spring practice. Players will know where they stand. As an example, there are schools like Georgia that have three or four or four or five star quarterbacks, only one of whom is going to be the starter coming out of spring. And a couple of the others might be looking around and were recruited by Auburn at a high school. So, uh, I think there's a real possibility that some of those kind of guys who are very talented um, and highly recruited will become available in May. I also think, you know, let's not kid ourselves about how this is working. There are conversations happening between schools and players who are not in the transfer portal. So if I'm, say, theoretically a member of Hugh Freeze's staff, I'm going down the list of who are the best quarterbacks in the country 
and who are coming back next year and calling them and go, hey, this is Auburn. Are you happy or you want a bunch of money to come here? <laughs> are you happy or do you want a bunch of money? I like that. That's a good approach. I, I, well, I mean, are you happy or are you at? Do you want a bunch of money to come play with us and have some fun with Auburn and this new team we're building? And I suspect there are some of those conversations going on. I mean, there are quarterbacks at other programs who at smaller schools who may look around and go, eh, that's a better deal for me. I'm going to go do that. And so you can see a situation where maybe Auburn's talking to some of those guys. They jump in the portal for five minutes, and then they're signed. Who would you be interested in? Who are two or three people that come to your mind immediately that you that you wish we were secretly negotiating with? I'm curious. I mean, I, one of the rumors was about the Tulane quarterback, right, who's okay. coming back, and yeah. I'd be interested in him. I, the dream guy where nobody's ever going to get is the, the guy at North Carolina, Drake May, is a great young, talented quarterback. But – He's not leaving North Carolina. His father and uncle and brothers and all played at basketball and football in North Carolina. He's a legacy kind of guy. And he, and he knows he'll stay there and he'll, he's going to go to the NFL in a couple of years. Um, uh, so I, I, it's a good question. Um, we have to think about it a little bit, I think. G- give me a minute, and I'll give you a couple more answers about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, meanwhile, I love that we, well, we knew that Zach Calzada was going to leave. And isn't it crazy to think that – we, you know, Zach Calzada was injured in the game that you and I went to when when Auburn played at A and M last time, and then he transferred to Auburn, never played a down at Auburn, and now he's leaving Auburn and going to. And I think this is the only way that you can pronounce this name to make it sound the way it needs to. He's going to Incarnate Word. So um, did you did you see recently somebody Zach Calzada when he announced it somebody said why did you even come to Auburn did you see what he said no he said on Twitter somebody asked him why did you even come to Auburn and he said Austin Davis do you Who's remember Austin? who that is no that is the offensive coordinator that Brian Harson hired from the NFL that was here for five minutes oh for five minutes. The yeah. guy that's like, yeah, he did the he did the Homer Simpson's dad going in and out of the bar at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he came in, took his hat off, turned in a circle, put his hat back on, and left. Oh my goodness! Well, no wonder he's never fit in and never been happy. Wow! Can you imagine leaving your school and traveling all the way from Texas to Auburn? And by the time you unpack your suitcase, <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's, he's that gone. guy's gone. He's gone. We're, we're under Plan B there. Well, I knew it wasn't that he was dying to get in on some of that bobo tutelage. To, to, that was never an issue there. But, um, wow. Oh, man. Yeah, I never would have thought of thought of that. But that really makes sense. All right, I'm not going to say it again because it hurts my throat. I don't know how people say it. Um, and then, all right, T.J. Finley, he's just trying to graduate and get his degree, right? And we can respect that. Yes. And he can't if he transfers right this second mm-hmm. on January sixteenth, he mm-hmm. will have to sit out a year. Okay? okay. He's graduating in May. The moment he graduates, he will he could be a graduate transfer. Right. And go to some other school, some smaller school and play immediately. So I believe that is what he's going to do, but he needs to work out and play football. And Auburn needs another quarterback in spring football to throw the football and help the team practice because right now you know we have three not counting him so he's on scholarship 
he's he'll be practicing with the team. He's going to class. He's on path to graduate with the understanding that then he will get the heck out of Dodge and or, go somewhere else. Or will he? Or maybe he's proved himself to the new staff, and they're like, "Hey, hang around as a backup. We could use you." No, no that's not. <laughs> I, I just—it's possible. It's, oh well, it's possible. It's, yeah, sure. It's but. been a journey here, so I don't think that's likely. But I also yeah. think like it's—he—he you know. he wasn't even dressed out for the. Uh, we saw him on the street. I remember he walked by us to the Alabama to uh, to, to the Texas A&M. A&M game. Yeah, we walked. We were five feet from him at the in the in the, in the street when the ba- when the yeah during a Tiger Walk right outside the baseball stadium there. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, um, all right. Before we get into basketball, well, first let me ask: anything else about the transfer window, recruiting, and building up this football team? We got other stuff to say about the football team in a minute, but I just want to see if there's anything else we've listened. No, to. other than again, I think the transfer portal thing. We're in the home stretch, and then it's going to be wrapping up for a while. Yeah. So we can we can look back with a job well done. The last I checked, I, you know, there's multiple services that rate things, and they're all different. But the last one I looked at, we were second behind, I think, UCLA, just in sheer nationally in terms of transfer portal. I don't know what UCLA has done, but uh, Kelly, but um, apparently something. So yeah, they brought in some good players. I remember. Yeah. That's cool. I want UCLA to be good. I like. I don't. I, I like to see them competitive and whooping up on. Uh, well, they're not going to be in the same conference with USC anymore. How weird is that? God, that's bizarre. No, they are. Oh, they're going too, aren't they? They're both going. Yeah. Oh well, it's the. Is it the Big Ten? That just seems yeah. doesn't make any sense. You know, the Big Ten is like, yeah, UCLA can come too. Sure, why not? But they didn't care. They wanted USC. They didn't care about UCLA. <laughs> Maybe for basketball, I guess they cared about them, but. Uh, uh, but they don't care about them. All right. Uh, th- 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 I want to ask your opinion on this just briefly. This was something that just came to me the other day, and I threw it out on Twitter, and it's gotten like t- 30,000 views and a bunch of responses and stuff where people have been, you know, it was just something that I hadn't heard anybody talk about. And my impression now, and I'll, I'll flesh it out here in a second, but my impression now is that it has been talked about with regard to baseball, but not football or basketball, but certainly not football. Here was what I said, because we're kind of up to the scholarship limit right now. We're right at 85. So, you know, the and, and by the way, I, I, saw a, I saw somebody talking about this the other day, and they said, um, it may have been, it's one of the, one of the YouTube guys. He said, uh, he said, I asked a coach that I knew, an older coach that I knew one time, big time college coach, he said, I asked him, uh, you know what happens when you get over the numbers when you get too many players in for the for the scholarship limits he said the coach just smiled at me and said the numbers always work out you know there are always ways it always works out you know there's what they call processing among other things that Saban made popular yes yes and and we don't like to think about Auburn acting that way but some Auburn players have, you know, entered the transfer portal and left, and it's possible that others might in the future. Well, Tommy Tuberville was infamous for processing like six scholarship players his first year. Uh, that with, was the, with the, nowhere that to go. That that end of the Terry Bowden area recruiting class, those guys had no business playing SEC. No, no, but they were just filling out numbers for Terry um, until they until some of them went into witness protection or uh, into the big house, but. Um, Okay, so my question was, if you're at the scholarship limit, could you simply give the 86th player 
or and I don't mean given the terms because I know that the, the I know that the, the the school isn't responsible for this and there has to be a distinction. But what I'm getting at is, couldn't couldn't it be worked out behind the scenes such that the 86th good player on your team doesn't get a scholarship, is a walk on, but gets an NIL deal that would effectively be the equivalent of a scholarship in terms of financial and everything. And I, you know, people raise questions to that about, you know, well, it's is that cheating? Is it collusion? Is it, you know, and I'm like, you don't do it that way. You just make it known, gosh, we could get player 86 if we had room for him, but we don't have a scholarship for him. And then lo and behold, the NIL collective steps up and they arrange exactly that. So isn't the NIL effectively the potential for unlimited scholarships? Yes, but let's be clear. We are, you already, I mean, again, before NIL, there was players getting money, right? Yeah. And you could have, you could have done this before. You could have given players un- mm-hmm. money under the table to not be a scholarship player. That's true. But, you know, there are, um, you know, I think there are some benefits. I don't know if like the non-scholarship players are allowed to eat at the training table and that know. kind of stuff. I'm not positive about that. Then maybe that they are, like the walk-ons and stuff. Maybe they're allowed to eat that. Um, you could do this, right? And so I think that, and I think I think people have painted the scenario that oh, we're going to go back to like, you know, in the days of Bear Bryant, he would recruit like 150 <laughs> players to keep right. the good players away from the other schools. Absolutely. But I think, and I think that's. It's possible with enough money, right? But it's also the other part of the scenario is it's 2023. Players want to play, and they want to feel like they have the opportunity to play, and they're not just being paid to be play keep away mm-hmm. um, from other schools. They want to get on TV and have a chance to make it the NFL and stuff too. So I think that kind of thing, in my mind, is a bigger deterrent to your scenario than like having the money and spending on the NIL. Mm-hmm. The other part is, you know, a scholarship to a big school is worth a lot of money. I mean, uh, and so you're, what you're really talking about is your 86 guy is going to get this amount of money, but how much is your 85th guy getting? I don't mm-hmm. know if he's getting, say, how much is a scholarship to a, you know, to Auburn worth, for example, four years, Tuition more than I board, can afford these days. Books are that's what I'm talking about. We're talking about for you know an out of state person a couple hundred maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars, right? Yeah. So I don't think your 85th player is getting that much nil. I'm going to be honest. I don't think they are. I think they're getting you know maybe they're getting forty grand or something, right? So I think now you know maybe at Ohio State or someplace or Alabama or someplace like that maybe your 85th player is getting that much money and your 86th there's money left over but I think what they'd probably rather do I think is take that money and push it back up to the top and have more money available in the pool for your top 10 players so you get the top 10 players and you keep the top 10 players and one of the other things we saw this year Van is there are several guys who like for example are quarterbacks that could have gone into the draft and would have been like a fifth or sixth or seventh round pick. And they stayed in school because their schools gave them more NIL money than they would make that's as a seventh round pick next year. That's incredible. Yeah. That's that school's outpaying the NFL. And that's when it comes to that. Well, it says a lot about where the where college football is, among other things, that it is the NFL of, of, of parts of the country, basically, as we've always known. So yeah, it's amazing. Um, 
Well, let's see. Moving on to basketball for a bit, um, we had two big games, both against Mississippi State schools. Well, both against Mississippi schools. Um, one of them at Ole Miss, and so good to get a road win. That's what I was telling my uh, my wife and my daughter during the game. I'm like, I, I know this is just a you know a game against Ole Miss, and it doesn't seem like a huge deal, but I'm like, every road win is huge. Especially the way things are going this year, we've played so much better at home. So, going out there and uh, Janai Broom through this game, the Ole Miss game, still just being like double doubles, being the straw that stirs the drink, that was impressive. Yes, he, again, he had he's had a very strong couple of weeks. He's been kind of the rock and the anchor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you're right, getting a, a road win matters. We saw some road teams lose. We saw some home teams lose. And we know the schedule is backloaded with tough games. Oh, so every gosh. win we can get now, yes. every conference win we can get now matters. Um, and Auburn went into Oxford and won that game with good offense. Yeah. Like we had played a lot of kind of defensive struggle, rock fight kind of games. And Auburn <laughs> yeah, went in there and right. scored 82 points on the road. Yeah. in conference play, something that last year's team did not do. Mm-hmm. They never scored that many points in a row. That's amazing. Yeah, because I there hasn't been much about this year's team that I've thought, hey, that was better than last year. But, you know, it because it's felt, honestly, most of this season to me, it's felt like last year's team with parts missing. It mm-hmm. hasn't felt like this year's team with a new kind of awesome it's felt like last year's race car, but there's a hole in one of the tires, you know, and the muffler's knocked off and one of the cylinders has gone out, you know. So, yeah, to be able to do something better than last year's team is certainly going to give me cause for hope and excitement, yeah. So, Broom was really doing well. And, yeah, we were able to score. Uh, you know, who's really come on is Wendell Green, who yeah. has, has always had the potential, but he was kind of in a slump there at the beginning of the SEC he, season. He had terrible game at Georgia, but he's had you know three good games in a row since then. So yeah, he's he's able to get it done when we need him, uh, just in, in in the flow of play, and he seems to be our most reliable free throw shooter to ice the game oh. at the end. A hundred percent, and we're going to talk about this in the Mississippi State game too. Yes, he's turned back into that guy we talked about last year, who was the closer. Yeah, that yeah. he could be the guy at the end of games who can make plays, who can handle the ball. You're not worried about him turning it over, and who can make the free throws when the other team comes. Over. Yeah, what it's just like you know, it was like uh, like when you have a really good closing pitcher in baseball, you just want to get to the ninth inning with a lead and then you feel good. If we can get to the last two minutes of a game with a lead, then we just start letting Wendell handle the ball until somebody fouls him and you feel confident that, you know, they're going to have, he's not going to miss many. They're going to have to start making three pointers if they want to even make a dent in our lead. That's right. And yeah, the miss, let's go to the Mississippi state game. That was interesting because, we got out to an early lead and then uh, just kind of held it. We never – I mean, we stretched it out to like 13 in some places, but we never 
let them get closer than like four or five, it doesn't seem like. And then any time they get within four or five, we would stretch it right back out to 10, 11, something mm-hmm. like that. You know, Never had that run where the other team would come and get ahead of you and you have to go and get it back again. That happens a lot in basketball. But it, you know, basketball games have a rhythm to them, and they're somewhat predictable yeah. often. But this one, never, it, they never could get over the hump. It was, um, and it was interesting, too, because I think it was Bruce that said, the closer we were getting to the rim, the harder of a time that we were having on offense. But fortunately, our long-range offense finally was working. Yes. It was amazing. We were making three-pointers, especially early in the game. Yeah. And I think that gave us a lot of confidence. Jalen Williams started it off. He came into the game on fire and really kind of set us up with a lead. So then we were kind of like you were saying, holding off Mississippi State the rest of the way. But he was kind of the the spark at the beginning. that came in and scored like 13 points in the first couple of minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And um, being able – I mean, because if that, if that Mississippi State game had been three games earlier when we were just missing everything, and, and yet it was Mississippi State. They went 0 for 18. You you gotta like playing a team that goes 0 for 18 three pointers. I mean, you and I, literally, you and I could have gone out there on the court and not done any worse at three point shooting than Mississippi State did in that game. It's bizarre, and they only had one shot that was basically like outside the key. Okay, yeah. So they scored whatever like 68 points or whatever, and I think like you know. 45 of it or so was from basically you know inside the paint close to the basket and there was like 20 on free throws in the second half. It, it seemed like yeah they had that just like when we played Arkansas they had the one guy that could just drive. It felt like Ole Miss had like the one I mean Mississippi State had like the one guy that was going in and putting it over us and we couldn't stop him but that was all they had. They, they had I mean they were a really good defensive team. Yeah. They gave us a lot of problems. They gave Broom a lot of problems. They took away yeah. a lot of stuff that we wanted yes. to do. Yes, mention that. that. Broom, it yeah. was the worst game he's had, pretty much. Again, I, they have some very talented big guys, very strong, athletic, talented big guys, and they're well coached. All right, do you know who their coach is? Their coach is the coach yes. who coached against us in the Final Four run in the first round in that New Mexico State game when we barely won in a nail biter and they gave us a very tough time defensively. It's oh, that guy. And that, that guy, really my. revealed itself in this game the way he played, the way yes. they played. Yes. Oh, that was the game. we And we talk about it in the book, by the way, if you get Auburn basketball from Barkley to Bruce. Yeah, how – they had every opportunity to win that that New Mexico yeah. State game, the first round, and 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 we go on to the Final Four and should have won the national championship. And they had every opportunity to have beaten us. They missed so many shots at the end that would have won and, the game. And it was the closest game by far until we got to the, the end. So. Yeah, it was. I mean, we went to overtime with Kentucky, but I would argue that Kentucky didn't have as close of a chance of beating us as Kentucky wasn't taking multiple shots at the end to win the game, right? Yes, it was right. even, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Broom kind of was down for that one game, but I'm sure he'll be back. It was just kind of a – they took him away. And if we'd been shooting three-pointers in that game the way we had in other games, that would have been a good strategy. We'd have lost right. by 20. It's exactly right. 
I'm very thankful we're not playing them again. We only played them once this year, and that's uh, at home. We don't have to go to Starkville. Yes. And I'm just going to tell you, I watched that team when they when some other good SEC teams go to Starkville, and when they other good SEC teams play this team, they're going to have problems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, another team we played recently that's kind of on the up now is Georgia. They got the Florida coach that's really good, and Georgia seems mm-hmm. to turn the corner and be on the way up. Meanwhile, what the heck's going on with Arkansas? They're, I mean, well, Kentucky we know. Everybody knows Kentucky's kind of had a rough patch until they turn around and went and beat, hammered Tennessee. Um, this is a weird season. Did you see, was it South Carolina yes. gets blown out every game? Oh, except they went to Rupp and beat Kentucky. Then they went right back to losing by 40 to everybody. And Alabama turned around and, and hammers LSU by like 60 or something. It was insane. This is so a weird I, year. Well, I think there's a lot of good teams that are evenly balanced. And I think there's a lot of teams that are going to beat each other. I mean, so everybody, yeah. I mean, Tennessee's a really good team, but Kentucky went into their building and beat them. So mm-hmm. Kentucky can show up and do that to people. But also, and you know, other good teams could go into buildings and beat people. We're going to see this. Um, I, you know, I think Auburn is in a good position right now. When you look around the top of the conference, it's like Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M have kind of have pulled away for the moment from the rest of the pack. So I think – but we know the second half is going to be tough of the schedule. So we got to pad some SEC wins now. To hold ourselves against that, so we get one of those top four spots and get the buy in the conference tournament. Yeah, we've talked about how Auburn fans, you need to just be prepared. People are going to say at the end of the conference season, they're going to say, "Oh, Auburn's kind of you know down. They're 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 uh, they were playing better earlier in the season. No, we were just playing an easier schedule earlier in the season. The schedule turns into murderer's row the last you know the last month or so of the season. The last two or three weeks of the season, it's just going to be brutal. And we're not going to win all those. You just might as well get ready for it. So, yeah, I like the idea of banking what we can now, especially on the road. Like that, again, that Ole Miss game was huge because that was a road win in the SEC that we can take to the bank. And then when yes. we when we get when we run up against something brutal later on, we've got that in our pocket. So um, let's see. We we're still waiting to find out more about Chris Moore. He was injured at the very beginning of the Ole Miss game. Up was it the Ole Miss or Mississippi State game? I guess it was yeah. Ole Miss. Yeah. yeah, separated shoulder. We're not sure mm. beyond that. Uh, so Berman played for him uh, again. Flanagan played more minutes than he normally did, and he played really well. He had yes. some big moments when he kind of steadied the ship when Mississippi State was making a run. And Berman stepped in and played in. I thought he played well. I mean, he's not a – you know, especially against a team like Mississippi State, he's not going to make a huge difference. But he had a couple of real effort rebounds that I thought Made were a cool shot. Made a good score, yeah. I thought. He had yeah, a run in toward yeah. the goal, pull-up jumper, yeah. Well, we I do want to I do want to take a second to credit Alan Flanagan because – Obviously, we, like everybody else, has been critical of him at times over the last couple of seasons. He took a long time, really, to kind of come back completely from his injury. He struggled a lot last year. It was kind of a human turnover for a while. But um, this season, he really has been one of our top three, probably, you know, when the game's on the line, can get it done. He hasn't been a a human turnover machine this year. Um, He's taken it to the hoop. He can drive. He's made shots. He's made threes. He's played defense. I really want to, you know, credit where it's due. We criticize him when he's not doing well. I want to credit him when he is, and he's doing really well. 
No, he is. And I, I think he's a veteran. And I think Auburn is a more experienced team than we had the last couple of years. You know, they played a lot of basketball. Guys like Jalen Williams, Flanagan, Broom, mm-hmm. Wendell Green have been in a lot of games. And they're not going to be phased by what happens if you know, the team goes on a little bit of a run or they have miss a shot or something. Two other things I want to bring up. I'll bring them up at once because one of them is just an oddity. Not only did Mississippi State go 0 for 18 in three-pointers, have you ever seen a game where an entire half goes by and nobody attempts a free throw? I don't think at any level I've ever seen that. I thought the refs had early dinner reservations. I did not know what was going on there. Again, because it's an SEC game. And with these two teams, I mean, guys were going to the basket and getting hammered. Yeah. And they're just like, eh, mm, mm. I, didn't say I, I thought. And then the second half, they called like 30 fouls. So yeah, I was wondering. It was like immediately it turned around. As soon as they came out for the second half, they're up there shooting free throws the whole time. What the heck? What? I think they they were like, well, we can't let this happen again. We're going to get in trouble or whatever. So you're, you're in the Guinness Book of World Record now. The first first entire first half of basketball with not a single free throw. Can you imagine it's that? Bizarre. I, I just had never seen that. Yeah. Uh, my other point is, uh, John, should we talk to our children about KD Johnson? No, not yet. Um, uh, he's going through a rough patch. He made a big three-pointer in this game. He did. Good, big for him, which hopefully will give him some confidence. But he's he's struggling. Um, he's kind of scuffling on offense. He's he's had a number of air balls and tough shots. But he's still, I think, playing good defense and playing incredibly hard when he's out there. Um, so I think you know, he's going to continue to play. I think – you know, they've kind of changed the rotation and kind of shortened it. Um, Chance Westry, they basically said, is kind of out for the year at this point, basically. I, they're, I think he's not healthy. They're not going to rush him back. And they're not going to force him into the rotation when he's not 100%. Yeah, I haven't seen um, much of him. I did realize that. Uh, but. So so Donaldson is kind of, the you know, the four guards, yeah. you know, kind of Wendell, Zepp, KD, and, and uh, Johnson. And then, um, you know, Trey Horse played some, but not much. So it's really kind of Jalen Williams, Flanagan, and Chris Moore when he was healthy would you know would have taken up a lot of those forward minutes. Um, so, and then and then you know, uh, Broom again taken because Broom has played so well, he's taken up more minutes than Cardwell's gotten less, but that's been okay. So. Yeah, I've noticed a couple of things. I've noticed that Dylan Cardwell has not played nearly as much as I thought he would. When he goes out there, he really does make a splash, but he seems to spend a lot of time on the bench, which is, I I mean, I don't know. I guess whatever. Bruce knows best. Um, But the thing about KD, and I may have mentioned this before, is he seems to have two modes. One mode is catch the ball and just immediately fire up a three-pointer from wherever he happens to be on the court, and it usually doesn't go in. And then, and but he he doesn't care. He just keeps doing it. And then um, the other thing he does is he drives the hoop, which I usually approve of my guards taking it to the basket. Yeah. I like that because usually you're either going to make a basket or you're going to get fouled, and those are both good outcomes. But yes. it seems lately like every time he drives to the rim, he gets hammered and get the shot gets blocked, and there's no foul. 
So it's a bad thing. It's a turnover, and he gets killed. So, so we're talking about nothing, nothing really good for a long stretch of games now coming from him, other than that one three pointer. So that's why I just wonder, you know, does somebody need to have an intervention with him? And I don't know what the deal is, but we love him. We love him, and we want him to do well. I think they have. I'm sure they have had this conversation with him. But I also think again, he's he does play well on defense. With yeah. a tremendous effort and bring the team energy and stuff, and when especially on the defensive end. So, I think he was in the doghouse with Bruce for a while there too, right? Yes, he was. So and that could have something to do with it as well. All right. Well, anyway, um, let's see. Yeah, we talked about some of the other things that were going on. Alabama just looks so impressive right now, and God, it's hard for me to say that. I, I the Alabama the basketball being really, really good. I mean, I. What that? Is the world I see. I don't. I don't want Alabama to be good at basketball. I don't like it. I know that they're one of the perennial, probably top what top three or four historical teams in SEC. But I don't have to like it. No. Nope. And I don't want it to continue. That was back when there was no Arkansas and no um, Missouri and no you know whatever else. So, uh, um, but um, they're playing. I mean, they were like they were just embarrassing LSU. They're really, really, really good. It's going to be a problem. How are they that good? Prepare yourselves for that now. Is Oates, where did he come from and why? Is, I, I didn't think he was all that impressive. I thought it was just some dude they hired. Where is this coming well, from? Well, again, they they've, they can recruit. Okay, Oates can recruit. They got good players last year. It didn't come together. But they brought. They had some bunch of talent coming back, and he added some more guys. They have a tremendous amount of talent on that team. That's disgusting. All right, um, Kentucky all over the place. We don't even know. Um, we've got LSU. We're at LSU Wednesday, seven o'clock yeah. Eastern, six o'clock Central. How, I mean, are we getting LSU right after the Alabama game with they had? <laughs> they're going to be oh demoralized, but, pants. Well, but also kind of backs to the wall, desperate. Yeah, right. Because they're going to be like Wounded we. Animal keep losing SEC games, we're going to drop out of it really fast. So they're going to feel like at home they have to try to scramble and turn it around. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Saturday afternoon at South Carolina, I mean, who knows what to make of South Carolina. They, Like I said, they get blown out every game, but then they turn around and win at Kentucky, which is just insane. So I, I who knows. But I, I, as a general rule, I would say they're one of the bottom – you know, a couple teams in the SEC, and that yeah. Kentucky thing was very fluky. So, yeah, John Kaler beat their, Kentucky. It shows their potential. John Kaler beat Kentucky at Rupp one time, so we'll have to. And I don't think that team went to the Final Four. Hey, anything, so. do not defame John Kaler. <laughs> no. Okay. Um, let's see. All right, so we got to pause here and thank the patrons. Remember, we don't have ads. We don't have those annoying ads. You have to fast forward through or whatever on our show. Uh, we simply have our listeners who keep the lights on in the studio here and keep things going. Um, they and, and by the way, before I mention the, the patrons, I do want to update for them that I have, I have now mailed out all of the hardcover copies of Auburn basketball that have been requested and ordered and paid for by the patrons that are signed by John and by me, except two. So if you ordered and paid for an Auburn basketball book 
Uh, and the reason I haven't mailed those two out is because I don't have the mailing address. So uh, get in touch with me. I have your names. I just need your mailing addresses. All right. Um, let's see. We have to thank the folks who keep our program going. If you want to join their ranks and be part of the upcoming March Madness uh, bracket that we will be doing, as always, which is always fun, um, go to www.auwishbone.com. www.auwishbone.com. You can just go to patreon.com and sign up directly. Just look for AU Wishbone. Uh, or I guess White Rocket, A.U. Wishbone, whatever, or just go to www.auwishbone.com. We have to thank Samuel Salvatore, Boris the Tiger's burner account. Boris is not sure what to think about there being a burner account for him. Um, he's, he's, he likes the attention. He's just not quite sure what to think. Um, Carl Von Drunker, Chris and Clinton Stewart. By the way, thank you guys that those of you that that actually went in and updated your tier system on Patreon to make it clear for me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. This makes it so much easier for me. And several of you did, and I appreciate it. Um, uh, so let's see. I'm at Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, uh, I'm turn the thing off, Logan Chilton. Hey, there goes Tank Man. Uh, Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Somalier level sponsor, and paying for Adam Hill's grounds crew level sponsor. Well, way to go, Phil. We appreciate that. Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, 76 Tiger Esquire, official, uh, official sleazy lawyer, and sock disposal agent for Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. That's right. Uh, basketball, uh, basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. Amen. Ben Bloodworth, Chris Hilton, Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby Freeze has more O-line commits in four weeks than Harson had in two years. Ah, oh, you made me say potatoes. That's right. I enjoyed the LOTR Lord of the Rings trivia battle. Well, thank you. We had always have a fun time doing that. Uh, and I believe John won this year. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Mark always lets me pick my own sound clip. This time it's going to be... I don't have as fun of one as... Let's do this one. And March Madness, let's shock the world! Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Throw in a little spice, a little pepper on the end of it. Good. Uh, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Logan, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. One of the admins of the Bama Hater Meme Stash. Oh, <laughs> that's really good. I don't know. I've heard of the Bama Hater Meme Stash, but I've, I didn't realize we had one of their admins and our patrons. That's awesome. Um, let's see. Algorithm and Blues, Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf. Rich Reimer, Rusty Owen, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, it's uh, Hugh Freeze time. Tonight's forecast, a freeze is coming. Wes Atkinson, William Morgan, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, returning to everything school, amen to that, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, the real Boris the Tiger, Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal. Just wait till next year. Amen. Kevin Mahan, Luther and Kelly Ottaway, 
my time with Malzahn. Hugo Sleaze's guide to learning from coaches with better records than you. I like there's still some salty folks in the patron page. That's good. Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time anonymous donors. Ah! All right. I like that Patrick just kind of programs the end of the segment before it's over, uh, complete with sound effects. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, the guy in the parking lot who's had too much to drink harassing people in the parking lot. Joe's <laughs> barbecue foot massage. Yes, that's okay. Well, we got we got the whole that whole business is accounted for pretty much at this point. I don't think there's anybody left. Maybe the receptionist in the front lobby of the place. I don't know. Um, don't give me any ideas. I go say I'm giving him an idea now. Tim Pittman. Somebody will be that next time. Tim Pittman. Timothy. Tony Perry. Weagle eighty seven. I was listening to Weagle in 87 uh, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. What a cool idea there. Alex Wynn. I got to get me some Mad Reaper Pepper Company pepper. I'd like to. I, I wonder if they sell like the pepper sauce. See, I don't really go on Instagram, so I'm not really up on them. Peppers are good. Do, do a quick search for the Mad Reaper Pepper Company while I finish this up, and then we can talk about it. Let them get their money's worth. Alex Wynn. Auburn basketball needs to practice the corner three from double dribble. <laughs> yeah. Dribble, dribble. <laughs> uh, ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzani. I'm missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald, Escort Hugh Freeze elsewhere. Still got some salty folks in the, <laughs> the patrons. And uh, we got to get better at celebrating. I am Tiger. Boris doesn't have the guts necessary for violin strings. Oh, that's harsh. That's harsh on our on our former bowl pick'em champion from a year ago. That's harsh. I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason the Weasel Skull Albrick, and finally, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, the barbecue. You have failed me for the last time. A.K.A. Auburn Dad for Life. Hadn't been working out too well for us either. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. What's Tostos, Brussels? <laughs> Potatoes. <laughs> Even you couldn't say no to that. Oh, yes, we could. <laughs> I hope Kathy likes my little... Uh, alternate version there for her. I, I wanted to keep Gollum, but I figured I'd use a different one. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom at Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage. This, this sound effect's getting worn to pieces on this uh, on our sponsors list, our patrons list. Sports Illustrated's own Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, why are you booing John? He's right. And Brant Rumble plus our one-time and anonymous donors. We thank you all. Go to www.auwishbone.com. John, have you learned anything about the Mad Reaper Pepper Company? I have. Okay. You may direct your Google search to the Mad Reaper Pepper Company, and you will find that they produce Reaper Madness Extreme Hot Sauce. Ooh. And it says it's a bottle of hot sauce. It says every batch contains 75 freshly picked Carolina Reapers grown in Alabama at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company farm. The sauce is extremely hot and should only be used by a hot sauce connoisseur. See, this is not a commercial, and they, they only pay for their mention in, Patre in the Patreons like everybody else. But this is a public they, service. They earned it. 
Yes. And uh, I was interested myself. So it's I'm, I'm going to order some. I want in on this. It sounds good. So there you go. Can you handle the heat? I, you know, I was, I was, I was, we, we had tacos tonight and I put some jalapenos from a new jar on them. And I'm like, ooh, this is spicy. And I looked and they were the Marzetti and they were the hot kind because Marzetti only makes like the mild and the hot. And my wife is like, well, why did you get the hot ones then? Because I usually get like the medium stuff. And I'm like, well, it's this or mild. They don't have a medium. And why are you going to get jalapenos that are mild? Just get pickles. Why would you get mild jalapenos? I don't understand. I, I, I have no answer there, man. We should just end the podcast right now. Like, <laughs> just with that question is like hanging. I, 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 just, I don't know. What is the you point? Wash, you washed the flavor out of them. I, yeah. You, you, what is the point of a mild jalapeno? That's like, I mean, it's like, it's like getting a Snickers wrapper and you open it up and there's nothing inside. Why did you buy the wrapper? Just to throw it away? I don't understand. So, yeah, I'd, but but there was no medium option, so I ended up getting the hot ones in. They were hot. That's good. Does they, you know, all right, quick digression. And if we had Jared on the show, he could answer this because Jared's a Taco Bell expert. But um, I, I've asked, I've, I rarely eat at Taco Bell, right? But occasionally, you just got to have some Taco Bell. Every now and then. Like once a year, I got to have some Taco Bell. Once a year. And they didn't have the fire sauce anymore. I have no, I have, again, I have no use for their taco sauce packets that are mild or medium or hot or whatever, because they're just ketchup. They're just ketchup. But their fire sauce was like thick and dark and had little pieces like jalapeno, and it was good. It had some spice to it. They didn't have it anymore. So what's up with that, Taco Bell? Where did your, where did your really nice actual taco sauce go? This has been <laughs> Spicy Thoughts by Van Plexico. Not Hawaii, you can't, the monkey boy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth asking. I got to know these things. <sighs> well, anyway, um, uh, we, Jared is on assignment this week, and so I think we will just go straight on into... Thank you. Order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. It's a trap. All right, so what have we got going on around the SEC? I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm jumping ahead. What have we got in list of questions? Good question. So, <clears throat> the first question I'm gonna I'm gonna say is from Van El Puxico. I'm gonna answer your question from earlier about what could we do in terms of transfer quarterbacks. Oh, okay, good. Right, good. I just pulled up the list on College Ball Stats and I put in individual passers and I sorted by rating and I went down the list. And basically, it was like senior, 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 already transferred somewhere else. Senior, senior, <laughs> already transferred somewhere else. Not leaving, not leaving. Already senior, already transferred somewhere else. Senior, senior, already transferred. It was like that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Going down the list, and so I come up with three names for uh, four names for you. Okay. okay. All right. Fired After up. my research, one is there's a. There are there are guys in the portal now, and there are going to be guys in the portal who haven't played. We talked about the Georgia backups. They got a guy like Vandergriff, whatever, who's Auburn recruited, who went there, who's a possibility. There's a, a one the one quarterback who's in the portal right now who's possible is a guy named Sam Heward. Heward, his older brother played at Washington or whatever. Mm-hmm. God, I hope it's not his dad. I'm if really. Oh, old. I know. Um, yeah, I was and, just thinking and that. And so yeah. he. Uh, Maybe it's an uncle or something. So he played at Washington. This kid is a freshman. Is you know, 
played in one game through two passes. Hasn't really played, but a, mm. a pretty highly recruited guy and, and a good QB prospect. All right. So he's in the portal now and available. In terms of a guy who's not in the portal, but we've heard rumors about who Auburn is probably making that phone call to, I referenced earlier, there's a guy named Riley Leonard, who is the quarterback at Duke. Oh, we okay. know Duke had a huge turnaround season this year under the former A&M defensive coordinator and went 8-4, and Leonard's pretty good. And he's from Fairhope or somewhere. Uh, so uh, some rumors, a little, you know, maybe a little smoke there. Um one of the other guys I'm th- I just saw some random comment about would maybe throw it out there is, what about a highly productive quarterback whose coach and team changed offenses completely last year? What about Will Rogers? Oh, at Mississippi State? Yes. That would be interesting. They're not running the air raid anymore. <sighs> yeah, and they're not. Too bad they're not bringing in Bobo because that would have been so entertaining to see them go from <laughs> Leach's offense. But do we know what they're going to be running? Why, uh, would, why wouldn't I, they I, stick with it? Did they not? I mean, no, they're not doing it. Uh, give me, a, I, I'll, I'll look it up in a second when we get to run the SEC because I think they hired somebody. Um, okay, yeah, but I think it's, they and too, it's not but. Bobo. Um, so that I'm just doing that name out there. And then there were two guys who played at Tulsa this year who neither one's a senior, and I think both were okay. So does Monty mm-hmm. feel like calling Monty. either one of them? The field marshal. So I, that was four guys I threw out there as possibles in the QB recruiting beyond the let's you know get the two-lane guy if he comes. So. <sighs> um, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, they aren't exactly lighting up the, the board there. but I, Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There's no – Yeah. Caleb Williams, that like the, the Wake Forest guy went to Notre Dame already. That was big, you know. So there's no transfer quarterback who's like, oh, we, you know, I think last year, like Michael uh, uh, Penix went from Indiana to Washington. He had a great mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Bo Nix went to Oregon. So I, I don't think do there's that. anybody else out there in that level. Right. Um, so we'll see. Um, all right. Well, all right. All right. Next question. That was the first question. That, that was from you, so I felt like that yes. deserved a decent answer. Good deal. All right. Next question is from Doc Crackham, who says, uh, As I listen to the National Championship Crapshoot Game podcast show, my listener question piggybacks on Jared's previous question. Who do you think led to each SEC team's lull or downfall? Each Ooh. team has its ups and downs. Let's start apportioning blame for the poor performances on and off the field of these schools. All right? Mm. So we're going to go around, and you're going to say a player or coach or person that you blame for this other team going through a bad period. Okay? So let's start with Georgia. Uh, Ray Goff. Oh, so it's it can how how far back can we go on this? I'm not clear on. I, we can go wherever we want. This is we're making up the rules, man. We so name we want, so. Run, run, tell me one more time. I got I got briefly distracted like a bird with aluminum. So, I, who like last week? Jared's question was who is associated with making this school okay. in a positive way what it is in the football front. Now we're doing the negative side of that. Gotcha. Who's associated with kind of bringing them down or putting them in a low or a bad spot? Uh, it could okay. be a player or a coach. Yeah. Georgia, I mean, it. yeah, Goff kind of came along when – Goff was kind of like, you know, when Suge was gone at the end of his run, he was already kind of going down. And by 88, 
um, Dooley. By, Dooley was, I was trying to think if it was 88 or 90, but yeah, 88, I think, right? Or was it 90? Dooley was, was there for was 90. Yeah, he was there for several more years, but it was never as good as it was at the beginning of the 80s. And it's kind of the same thing. So Goff didn't do anything with it. And then they brought in Donnan, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he is a little better, but still kind of mediocre, kind of eight and five, nine and four kind of thing. Yeah, um, get, Rick. yeah and then Rick, who took him to like 10 and two, it's like they every coach got him like one game better, one game better until they finally got to, to smart. So. I, they never were terrible, though. That's the thing. I mean, even with Goff, well, they were in bowl games saying, and stuff. So, again, but it's relative, right? Yeah. All right. So, Florida. Oh, uh, man. Zook. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He, he dragged them down after Spurrier. They had to go and get Urban Meyer to come back up again. Then what happened to him the next time? Was it was it Muschamp? Muschamp. And then who was there was another oh, coach, yeah. oh, the, the Colorado State guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was the Alabama OC for a while too. Yep, yeah, uh, yep. He he Look. was there. I don't know whether I I probably blame him more than Muschamp, but I and yet know. he took him to the SEC championship game. It's so he crazy did. how the yeah. And that, but that just shows like that's what the base level of Florida is. They yeah, can do that. Is. So yeah, they can occasionally um, do that. But I like L- Zook though. LSU is going to be fun. Hurry up and get to LSU. All right. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> Tennessee? Oh, God. It's got to be Dooley Jr., right? Yes, 100%. Derek Dooley. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, South Carolina? Again, it could be a player when he's places it. Uh, it's South Car- yeah, that's true, but it, it's rare. Uh, it's, it's South Carolina. Yeah, because at Auburn, you could arguably say uh, Eric Ramsey. <laughs> you know, you could. A little bit. A little bit. Uh, South Carolina, though, it's whoever was there before uh, Holtz because they were Owen. They were one in. I think they were one in ten the year before Holtz came in. And then Holtz's first year, they were zero and eleven. Yeah, had to dig their yeah. way out. And then after Holtz, you had Spurrier, and they were still pretty good. But they had a. Was it Brad Scott, or am I going too far back? It was whoever it was right before Holtz had him down to. Maybe. Right, had him down to zero and had him down to one in ten. I fondly remember the Brad Scott era. All right, yeah. uh, we're not going to do Kentucky and Vanderbilt because it's, it's too many. All right. It was the uh, it was Vanderbilt himself at Vanderbilt. It was Cornelius which, himself again. The, the same answer as the positive one would Woody Woodenhofer. So it's, <laughs> he's the same answer for both questions. That's All great. right, um, Arkansas. Oh, uh, Petrino giveth and Petrino taketh away. <laughs> he did Jack Crow, right? Yeah, wasn't Jack he? Crow. John L. Smith wasn't good either. There. Oh well, I was gonna say our our offensive coordinator. Uh, Oh yeah, that Gus hired. What isn't that funny? Arkansas has had at least three Auburn offensive coordinators. There was Jack Crow, there was Gus, and there was uh, the one you're thinking about, um, the one that we got. Yeah, they were all from Arkansas, and they all ended up. I mean, they were from the University of Arkansas, you know, coaching there, and ended up being offensive coordinators for Auburn. That or or the other way around with Crow, he was our offensive coordinator, became their head coach for one game, and then lost to Citadel. Do people know about that? Jack Crow was hired off of Pat Dye's staff to be Arkansas's head coach. The first game of his tenure as head coach, they lost to the Citadel, and Arkansas fired him the next day. He coached one game, one game. Some would say that was. Giving him way too much rope to fly, to let him coach a game. He was not what made Auburn good under Pat Dye. It was not Jack Crow. I, I'll I, I can't look right this second, but but people know who we're talking about. The guy that was the Clemson OC yeah. that Morehead. The thing went was it no no 
You know what I'm he went to he went to uh, SMU and then he went to Arkansas and then he came to Auburn as Gus's OC. The last one, last year, and then they were. Fun. Yeah, well, everybody knows who we're talking about. I just can't think of All his right. name. So anyhow, another I, he I think is the low point for Arkansas. Hundred percent. That'll right. work. Uh, Ole Miss. Um, oh Bill, wow. Um, Billy Brewer. Billy or, Brewer does come to mind, but that's bad, always they had some, that's they had some other bad coaches after that. I feel like yeah. I mean, They've kind of muddled along. Yeah, I mean, they haven't been terrible the last 20 years or whatever. They they haven't been just Matt, god-awful. Matt Luke. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I, and then... Or, um, Orgeron at Ole Miss was not good. Yeah, either. Orgeron was... Yeah, there's a good one, too. Yeah, he was not good there. All right. Mississippi State. Uh, again, like by Kentucky and Vanderbilt, there's a lot of blah in the past. There really so. is. I mean, Jackie Sherrill had them good for a while, and then, uh, yeah, they... Um, you got to go back. I'll go back to the guy that was coach of Mississippi State back in the 80s, and not only were they terrible, they actually agreed to play their home game in Auburn. You don't get much worse than that. <laughs> if you're an SEC West team and you sell your home game to another team, are you kidding? Can you imagine that today, the scandal? They're lucky they don't let them do that. Yeah. Nobody even mentioned it back then, and yet today it would be – Oh my! Fine bomb would be melting down. Unbelievable. Right. LSU. Where to begin? Curly Hallman. Mm. I mean, Archer had him pretty good, and then he kind of tailed off, yeah. and they fired him. But but he was solid. Yeah, and then Donardo had a few moments that were pretty good, but then uh, but Curly Hallman, Lord, that was the uh, the '94 yeah. interception game. Yeah, that alone. That alone, man. But Donardo is. Yeah, he wasn't great. But after right. after Donardo, they they've been good because that's when they went and got Saban, yeah. right? And then, yes. yep, uh, Alabama. I'm gonna Is say it? Albert Means. Yeah, I was gonna say Shula, but I think Albert Means is even better. Mike Price. Oh, <laughs> there's just so much. It's there's way more than you'd think, right? There's mm-hmm. way more i mean you could even say bill curry for a little bit even though they went they went yeah. 10 and 1 that year before they went to the bowl game and we they went up you know, 20, they went they ended up going 10 and 2 but um yeah i mean you can start with i mean perkins had a 5 and 6 year in there after the bear so they've had their they've had their down moments more than people realize but mike price and and means that that was a good that was a deep cut right there that was a good one that's a good one yeah that was when they were staring down the barrel of the death penalty, which I cannot hear. I can't hear enough that phrase being said to Alabama. You are staring down the barrel of the death penalty. No, they never said that to us, the NCAA. We're the ones that are like supposed to always be in trouble. I've mentioned before, John, that Auburn is second only to Vanderbilt now in the amount of time since we were last, our football program was last on probation. Only Vanderbilt has gone longer. The last time our football program was on vacation, I was a pro, pro, student. Probation. Yeah. Huh? You said vacation. Did I really? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're on vac- they're on vacation now. But they're coming back strong. The last time Auburn's football program was on probation, I was a student there. Think about that. Long time. It's been a minute. All right. I think I think we that we gave some good answers to those questions. Yes. All right. All right, so next question is from uh, Rick Harper. Was last year Texas (laughs) A&M's? I skipped Texas A&M. Jimbo is the answer. Oh, gosh. Uh, I love it. mm. Um, 
All right, uh, Rick Harper's question. Um, he says, "War Eagle, how do you do, fellow kids?" <laughs> he says, uh, "Jalen Williams' game against Mississippi State the other night was his best, the one that I can recall. I'm surprised he didn't start shooting lasers out of his eyes in the first half. No doubt. My question to you is this: Was that the best he can do, or is his ceiling even higher? Mm. It just seems like the more confident he gets, mm-hmm. the better he plays." And honestly, I think he can give even more thanks and happy birthday to Van. Hey, thank you. From Rick Harper. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, no, I know. I this is in a I like to quote funny Maine when Jalen Williams does something good, I stand up and go, Go on, Jalen, go on, Jalen. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I agree that he has see, I, this is the thing. We've talked about maybe a little bit before, is that we have players on this team that have had to take a back seat and a step back to some of the other more assertive or dominant players over the last couple of years. But once they have a little more experience and kind of step up, they really show that they are really good players when they have the opportunity. And that's good. And that's what we're seeing from him, I think. No, I think his ceiling is higher. I think he can – I think that was a really good game for him, but I think he can Mm -hmm. have a game where he he kind of dominates the whole game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. All right. Last question. This is from Bill Miner, who says the subject line is on to victory. He says, guys, I've looked into the school's NIL collective on to victory and I have a hard time seeing myself being a member since it's basically being a cheaper booster option for those that are not super wealthy. I'd rather support the school in other ways. Just curious if you guys have researched it at all and your general thoughts on it. I've Um, only cursorily thought about it, but I have thought about it. I have I've looked at their website in a little bit. I do think like it is a way for regular people to support Auburn athletes directly. Yeah. Okay. You don't have to be a lumber baron to just for example be, off the top of your head. Just in a theoretical sense. Yes. To have resources to, you know, donate money that you know is gonna go right into the pockets of Auburn student athletes. Um and I do think with this kind of thing, there is value in the collective power of a bunch of people. You're yeah. donating a little bit. The, everybody putting in 10 or 20 bucks goes a long way uh, for this kind of effort. So I do think it can matter. I understand, again, if you want to support the school in another way, you know, mm-hmm. it's an institution that needs support in other areas too. That, that's perfectly reasonable. Um but I just think um, one of the things I like about the on the NIL collective thing is that I know the mo- that money is going to the athlete. A lot of the other money, there's a whole bunch of layers of administration oh, yeah. and other st- overhead stuff that we're paying for. And the NIL thing, I think it's going in the players' pockets. And so I, I like that part. Just think, if every Vanderbilt fan gave like 10 bucks – they could have several hundred dollars to use for their NIL. You're funny. <laughs> I this is like I want you to think about this for a moment though, okay? Okay. Because this is the the power of having a much larger school, okay? Mm. So there's a like again, Wake Forest's enrollment is like 3,000 students. That's true. Okay. So they're graduating like whatever 800 people a year. So there's only, you know, 800 Wake Forest graduates this year, 800 Wake Forest graduates last year. You know, Auburn's enrollment is whatever, 
twenty-two thousand ish, right? A little more than that, probably. So we're graduating, you know, like five thousand people a year, and five thousand people last year. So we have like these cumulative piles of five thousand people, yeah. and the people that are related to them and their friends and stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, Michigan or Texas's enrollment is fifty or sixty thousand. Okay, so think about the people they're pushing out the door on yeah. an annual basis. And the cumulative effect of that over a hundred years, okay, you end up with a much greater exponential fan base mm. than a smaller school does. And those people can all donate. And that's how you end up with bigger schools and more resources. And I'm pointing this out because this is why Alabama is trying to increase the size of the school. They're trying to make their enrollment like 40,000. Hmm. Well, I was just going to stop because it is about the ultimate end goal. And it's for them. It's not just about having more students. It's about having more alumni who then donate more money so they can be successful. Well, I was just going to say, because what you made me think of is Alabama is one of those instances where you can have a whole lot of people that will happily give money to the school that have no other association with the school. So they don't necessarily need alumni. They have... I guess what we call the sidewalk alumni or something like that. And, but, but yeah, it certainly would benefit them to have college degree owning good job having. I was going to say the fans, alumni, alumni may throwing it out there, may make more money in the long term. Right. 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 Um, yeah, that's interesting. That's definitely. I had a question for you that, that occurred to me a minute ago when we were talking about basketball. And I want to throw this out for you, and I want the I want the listeners to to respond to this too, in the usual venues. If you were going to do an all star five starting team for Auburn under Bruce Pearl, okay, I think four players. Whoa, you know what? I think I may have five. But I want to hear if this is the same five as everybody else, okay? I think the five are obvious. I think the five okay, are well, obvious. I, I, I'm not, you got to finish your question because I'm not sure what it is here. Oh, well, no. Who would be your five starting five for the Bruce Pearl era? Just the Bruce Pearl era. Yes. And I think the starting five are obvious. You tell me what you think then, and I'll tell you if you're right. I think it's very debatable. I think he had some players early on that were really good. Okay. Um, I think it's I think it's cut and dry. I thought there were four that were super obvious, and then I thought of a fifth and went, yeah, that was pretty obvious too. So I've got five now, and, and they even fit five uh, positions. So they're not. It's not like I got three centers, you know, or four point okay. guards or something. I got. Five I mean, I'll say, uh, you know, Jared Bryce, Bingo, Bingo, Kessler, Jabari Smith, and Okoro. Coro. Okay. See, that's the that. See, there's the one. That's the one that I wasn't sure on. Is the fifth one. I think you got to have the two guards, and I think you got to have Jabari and Kessler. Absolutely. Those are those four are mortal locks. I don't want to hear anybody argue against them. Those are my four. But I for my fifth, I had Chuma. Yeah, I was gonna say like you could easily have Chuma as the other as the as the other forward there. I, that's yeah. Chumer's a better offensive player than Okoro is by far. Yeah. So it's I, I think that's a strong five. Four of them absolute slam dunks, no pun intended, and the fifth one is is a ninety percent lock, I think. Cinnamon Bowers? No. No, I don't think so. Samir I think Dowdy? Oh, Samir, man. He's my he's he's my sixth player right there. I think Samir is the sixth player. I think he comes off the bench and you don't lose a thing. I think 
I, th- I think um, Okoro and Samir and um, who was our point guard the same year as Samir Dowdy was on the team? He was our backup in the Final Four team. Javon McCormick. Oh, McCormick might be on my second team too. Although Wendell is tough. I think it's between Javon and Wendell for my backup point guard. Mm-hmm. I think it's between those two. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm curious to hear what uh, what the listeners say. Give us your starting five, and if you really feel adventurous, give us your backup five, and we can have this conversation again maybe next week. I'm curious what people say. Do you want to take a hop in the trip? Hop, hop in the Do trip it. and take a car around the. <laughs> All right. So what's going on around the SEC other than basketball games and gymnastics and we're getting ready for baseball to start? So Alabama, we talked about this a while ago, was kind of pushing out both coordinators. They wanted to do some different things and they were unhappy and they wanted new guys. And so their uh, offensive coordinator looks like it's going back to the NFL. And their defensive coordinator is now the new defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, Pete Golding. The Alabama DC is now the Ole Miss DC. That's weird. What happened to the Ole Miss DC? Did he get fired or leave or he fired or they fired him or he left, whatever. But okay. Yeah. Interesting. Pete Golding is the Ole Miss DC. Interesting. It probably a weird. step probably a step up for both teams. It is. A hundred percent. It's it's one of those things that it's a little bit like the Florida basketball coach going to Georgia. Yeah. Right? Florida was like, We don't want you anymore, really. So Georgia, you kind of saved us. From mm. paying the buyout, mm-hmm. and Georgia's like, man, we're good. We're better than we were. They are. So it's worked out. And I, you know, Golding isn't great, but he could make Ole Miss's de- defense competent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's step up. Okay. Um, and then I did. I talked earlier about Mississippi State not doing the air raid thing. They have hired um, Kevin Barbe as their new. Uh, offensive coordinator. He was at Appalachian State last oh. year, and they they were pretty good on offense. Yeah, no, they were. I I watched them a few times. They were fun. I and guess. They beat, remember they went in and beat A uh, and M. So. They did for sure. I know that's the thing is you have a system that you really like with a coach. It's sort of proprietary, and then you have a you know you have to you, you lose that coach for whatever reason and you partly want to keep the system but on the other hand you know if there's another coach out there that's really good that's doing something completely different and you have the chance to get him you know it, it's kind of like what happened with us we had uh, Petrino in 2002 and in 2003 we lost Petrino but we really liked his offense we wanted to keep it so they tried to run it without him and then in 2004, we just said, forget this, and went out and got Al Borges. So it doesn't always work out. I understand so, it, but still. Were you suggesting that Mississippi State use the Nolsminger approach? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, run the run the air raid with coaches who didn't create it and fully understand it. That would have been a big, uh, a big success, I'm sure. So, All right, I guess that's all of our news for this week. Are we pretty much done? That's it. That's it. All right. Well, um, yeah, do send in your list of uh, either to auwishbone at gmail.com or on Twitter at auwishbone. And I'm just kind of curious to see what people think are the five and maybe the second five players because I feel pretty confident we have a starting five that's, that, would, that would win the national championship without even batting an eye. 
Um, okay. Well, I reckon then our time is up. We thank you for yours. Where you go, John? Where you go, man? Thanks for listening to the AU Wishbone. Find links to everything we do at www.auwishbone.com. For more Auburn fun, join us on Twitter at auwishbone and at facebook.com slash auwishbone. War Eagle. The AU Wishbone is produced by Van Allen Plexico and John Ringer. Copyright 2020. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast.